presented to you by The Lantern. This is The Lantern Sports Podcast. All right, welcome everybody back to The Lantern Sports Podcast presented to you by The Lantern. I'm your host, Kevin Lapku, with my co-host, Curtis Gruby. We have another very special guest for you guys today, Laura Papineau, a contributor to the New York Times. She's here to talk about the economics of athletics department of Ohio State and at schools across the country. Um, Laura, how are you doing this morning? Good. How are you guys? We're doing well. We're doing well. Uh, obviously, this news about the impact of a conference-only schedule for all sports has affected us, and we've done stories about it. But, you know, what is exactly that economic impact, Laura? I mean, as we know, Ohio State will not be traveling to Oregon. They will not be playing a few other non-conference opponents. So right there, that eliminates about three games off of their schedule. So what's the immediate economic impact for the Big Ten and for all those schools that have now – uh, scheduled to play only a conference-only schedule? Well, firstly, let's see if the conference-only schedule actually gets played. I think there are, I mean, I think the one truth about this moment that we're in is that there is a tremendous amount of uncertainty. There's uncertainty around sports. There's uncertainty about how effectively students will actually be able to return to campus. So I think there, um, there, there are a lot of questions. I mean, if you look at... Um, you know, you know, college sports, as we know, across the across the board, are generally a money losing proposition. OSU uh, is is one of the twenty nine that actually athletic programs that actually was in the black um, for two thousand eighteen, and uh, you know, with a fifty million dollar benefit, but. You know, the, the, the problem is, is that most places, the revenues do not exceed the expenses. And, and, and if you break down, you know, the, the costs of not playing certain places, I mean, if you look at the travel schedule, it's, it's really a very tiny, the revenues from, from that very, very, the, the expenses are like 7%. The revenues from tickets are about 17%. So, and, and is, do we know, are people going to be actually attending the games? I mean, ticket, if ticket sales are 17%, and which is about the same as the TV revenues, how is that going to play into the mix? A lot of the expenses don't go away um, and then probably will increase in terms of testing and, and you know, safety protocols. So I think there. I, I think it's um, financially. I think it's going to be a really challenging time, and especially if they they. What if they end up spreading out the schedule, right? What if games get broken up and athletes have to stay in shape and focused? Um, I, I think there. I think there are a lot of questions about. I think it's going to be potentially really costly. Yeah, definitely really costly, Laura. So what do you think? will happen to some smaller schools like Ohio State has Bowling Green on their schedule or they had Bowling Green on their schedule and Bowling Green also had the Fighting Illini of Illinois on their schedule and they're losing out on 2.2 million dollars from playing just those two Big Ten teams what will that look like for a smaller school like Bowling Green? Well, I think you bring up a really excellent point is that there is a massive difference between the schools that are the high earning income schools when it comes to sports and everybody else. And if you look at, you know, NCAA data, that 
those lines have just been diverging more and more since 2005. So if you look at Bowling Green's, I mean, I, I, I know this is a sports podcast, but Bowling Green's biggest problems are not its sports and its loss of, you know, the Illini and, uh, and OSU on its athletic schedule. I mean, those regional public universities um, are, were already hurting. You know, if you look at the percentage of those schools that depend on tuition and fees, room and board, you know, tuition fees to support their uh, revenues, it's in some cases around Ohio, it's 65, 70% of their revenues come from students being on campus. Um, at, you know, OSU, it's about 15%. So the, the big issue for those schools is, you know, will they, how are they going to survive, you know, with, you know, if students don't come back to campus? And that's a very real concern. Um, so, you know, and, and I know that sports are a wonderful draw. And I did a story for the Times in which, you know, a lot of students do want to go to OSU in these exciting schools because of the atmosphere around the sports. But um, I, I, I'm not sure that, that it, that's gonna work this year. Um, so those schools, so you have this big divergence. I mean, if you look at like Ohio University, they, they have a you know, similar size, uh, similar, similarly situated school. I mean, they have a $20 million annual uh, athletic deficit. You know, athletics cost $20 million. If you look across, you know, uh, you know, the division one, you know, athletics is a loser. So, you know, I'm, the, the problem for them is not only getting students on campus for tuition and fees, but you're not going to erase the expenses of the athletics programs. So you're not going to erase the need, the scholarships, you're not going to erase the, you know, probably in most cases, the, you know, the salaries and the facilities maintenance, and yet you're still uh, and, and yet you don't have any of your revenue producers. $2.2 million is always, you know, you know, seems like a lot of money, um, but it's not the biggest problem. Right. You mentioned that revenue versus expense balance. Now, this is according to the Ohio State Athletics website. They said their total revenue in 2019 was hovering around $210 million, uh, mm -hmm. but their expenses were around $220 million. Now, the, the thing that's interesting about that is that ticket sales, the largest single source of athletics revenue, brought in $59 million of that $210 million. So the question that I have really is, you know, everyone talks about what really is the magnitude of, let's say, not just the elimination of college football, but if they play that conference-only schedule without fans, how does that impact funding for other sports, knowing that among that $59 million that they're making from ticket sales, probably around $50 million of that is coming from the football program. So if you lose out on that $50 million, how does that affect funding for all other sports at the university? Well, obviously, you know, that, that it does affect it. I mean, Stanford... Uh, canceled 11 sports last week. So I think you're going to see a lot of, um, a lot of shifting in athletic programs. Um, you know, I was on a, you know, I'm, I'm a member of the Yale Field Hockey Association having played field hockey at Yale. And I was on a phone call last night and there, I mean, there's there, the, the depth and breadth of questions for, you know, eligibility um, the financial piece, how financial aid will work. If you're taking time off, how are you going to support those athletes? And you've committed to athletes um, in all different sports. How are you going to allow them to 
you know, play out their careers. Um, and, and if they need an extra year, that's more, you know, that's more scholarship aid. So I think that, um, I think it's a, it's a huge question. I mean, at most schools, you know, a lot of athletics gets supported by student fees. So, you know, so, so that's, that is in the mix. I mean, certainly football is very helpful to OSU, but if you look at how big OSU's total budget is, I mean, $50 million is, is, you know, you know, a lot, but you know, the whole budget is just dramatically larger than that. It's in that, you know, what, 7.8 billion, 7.5 billion in revenues. So it's just, I mean, it's, it's a different magnitude. So yes, it's going to hurt athletics, but if you look at the pie of revenues for the university as a whole, the biggest, you know, bigger, there are other bigger pieces. Right. And you said in an email, you said Ohio State is in a better position than others, is, is quite what you said in that email. So obviously, yeah. Ohio State is a big money maker when it comes to athletics. But tell us why you think Ohio State is in that better position other than that. Well, I mean, if you look, I mean, you mentioned Bowling Green, you mentioned, so, you know, if you look at these regional public universities um, who have been struggling from, uh, you know, enrollment challenges the last several years. And uh, in Ohio, and you know, every state has, has been, um, you know, state, state uh, contributions to uh, public education. Ohio, Ohio, OSU is just less dependent on that money. I mean, if you look at the state contributions for OSU, I think they're around, you know, 15% of their, of um, yeah, third, uh, you know, just a, a, a very small percentage of the, um, you know, where the state, where this, where the uh, university gets its revenue. So, you know, you, you have, they're, they're just, and there's also the branding, the name brand. I mean, at a moment when colleges everywhere are stressed trying to get enough students onto campus to pay tuition and fees, including athletic fees, um, not meeting enrollments, um, it, it just is a huge financial stressor to these institutions. And it can put them in the red very, very quickly. OSU has the, had the, has the luxury of being a flagship um, with a reputation. And while other campuses around the, around the state, rather, are chasing to try to get as many students as they can um, using merit aid to attract them. OSU has the advantage of, the, of just accepting more students, which I know is what, you know, is this year that they, that they accepted a larger incoming class with the, you know, as a, as a buffer. Other schools just simply don't have that luxury. And, are, and I know for a fact, other schools are, are, are just not gonna meet their enrollments. And then that affects their bottom line. You talked earlier about um, Yale and their field hockey team. Obviously, you have strong ties to that. With the Ivy League canceling all fall sports, how will the Ivy League uh, overcome something like this? Does the Ivy League schools compare to like an Ohio State to where they will be better off than most schools? Well, the short answer is that that they that they'll be fine. <laughs> um, I mean, Ivy League sports are obviously very different than Big Ten sports. Um, 
I think the 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 Ivy League can manage, um, you know, the the not having sports um, for you know for this year, and it's it's you know obviously it's disappointing. It's very disappointing to students. I think the bigger issue in the Ivy League is how individual um, colleges and universities handle force for uh, students athletes the eligibility question and there i've already i'm already understanding that there are differences say between princeton and yale yale is in my understanding is allowing uh students to choose different uh semester off to extend their stay on campus um and maintain an, a, a year of another year of eligibility I think other schools are requiring certain times that you have to take off rather than giving the flexibility. So I think how each campus handles it is going to affect how they retain their athletes and how they then in the future attract other athletes. I mean, you know, obviously Ivy League sports are, are it's just different. The athletes who, who go there have some different goals than someone who's, you know, going to play football at OSU. But, but I, you know, I think the cool thing is, is that we've had this system for a long time about what um, athletics meant on different campuses. And a lot of that's getting scrambled right now. I'm very curious to see how athletes are supported, not just in scholarships when they're not playing, but you know, there's a whole psychic part of this. Um, being an athlete is a really powerful identity on campus. And I am very curious as to how different institutions are going to handle you know, their, you know, the, the support for the athletes, you know, mentally, identity-wise, academically. I mean, this to me is an opportunity, if taken, to really double down on the idea that there that there is this notion of the student athlete rather than the quasi professional athlete on campus. Right. And from what we've seen, from what we've heard, from who you've talked to, you know, from an economic standpoint, what do you think is the most likely scenario to happen with this college sports season in general? Is it are, are people going to follow the trend of the Ivy League and cancel and follow the trend of Stanford and cancel all fall sports? Are they going to follow the trend of the conference only schedule or are they going to try their best to, to play, you know, the conference only schedule with maybe a few fans in the stands? What do you think is the most likely and maybe not just the most likely, but the best and smartest option for these schools going forward in the fall? I think if you look at what is happening across the country right now, in terms of coronavirus, I, I think it's going to be really, really difficult to have um, a fall season. I think it's going to be even difficult to have a spring season. And I, you know, I, I suspect that some of, you know, the colleges that are that are saying that we're, they're going to try to go ahead, try to, I just don't think it's actually going to happen. Um, it doesn't. It it's. You know, I, I'm out in Seattle right now, and a few weeks ago, you know, a huge group of students um, who are, you know, because there's a quarter system at, the, at UW, um, had COVID, you know, like 80 students. And it, it, it's just, it, it, you know, it's, I think that it's going to be very, very, very difficult to, you know, keep teams virus free 
to teak to I, I just I just don't know how it's actually going to happen. I think it's going to become I mean very very difficult. And think about the liabilities if if you have you know one team where somebody you know um, is positive who is on the field and then you know these are contact sports and what if someone on the other team you know and then it goes through another team. I mean. And when, when these teams are viewed through the lens of revenues, you can get some really crazy liability questions um, around this. Um, I, I just don't see, I, I really think that it's, it's unlikely to happen. I know, there, I know people are gonna try, they have to try, but I think it's gonna be really rough. And you know, the idea of spreading it out over like 10 months or something, and you know, so that you can get the TV revenues. I just don't know how you get athletes to stay in that kind of state you know that that you know competition ready physical mental state for 10 months right so i have one final question for you you know if this truly does happen where like you're saying it, where sports may not be played in the fall for a school like ohio state where their coaches are being paid where ryan day is being paid five million dollars a lot of their assistant coaches are being paid over a million dollars the strength and conditioning coaches are paid a lot of money and collectively that's probably around 10 million dollars just by coaches alone so what's that impact for next year for 2021 seeing like if sports do not happen these expenses are still coming in where equipment has been paid for the coaches are still on a salary for their contracts. So now in 2021, when we believe sports will return, what is that economic impact? Oh, absolutely. I was looking at those numbers yesterday. I mean, when I looked at the expenses of, you know, athletic expenses, there's very, very, very little that um, you can get out of paying this year. So I think that's the crunch. The crunch is that um, you have these expenses and, you're just not going to be able to get out of them. And next year, they're going to be back. So I imagine that there are going to be a couple of years of deficits. I mean, I don't know how else this, this plays out. I mean, this, there's going to be a huge deficit this year. I mean, the accounting will figure out how they, you know, uh, you know, write it off and uh, how they account for it. But yeah, it is going to be, and I think this is going to lead to some, you know, maybe not at OSU, um, which can, you know, get back on the revenue horse pretty quickly. Um, I think it's going to create some real soul searching at um, some other schools for which, you know, keeping the, those expenses in the pipeline when you're not getting any revenues whatsoever um, is, is going to really force um, a reckoning. So there you have it. Very, very insightful information from Laura Papano, New York Times contributor. Uh, we really appreciate her coming on, talking with us today. Laura, we hope you're staying safe and doing well and uh, take care. We'll see you next time. Great. Thank you, you Laura. Thank you.